Hello, world. Hey, world. Hello, world. Welcome to Hello, world. The future is female. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Hello, world. The future is female. In today's episode, I'm joined by Roma Parhad. She's the associate director at the Stanford Iranian Studies Program and holds a master's from NYU and studied political science and international studies at UC Irvine. Given her background as an Assyrian Iranian American working in the Stanford Iranian Program, I'm really excited about our conversation surrounding the importance of keeping Iranian culture, history, the language, the whole thing alive. So thank you so much, Ms. Parhat, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So getting right into the background, why did you join the Stanford Iranian Studies program and what's your role there? So I graduated, as you said, with my master's in international relations from NYU in 2015, and I was on my way back to California. And um, as you mentioned, my family is from Iran, and the focus of my study was ethnic and religious minorities in Iran and Iraq, with an eye towards security and conflict resolution. So I was really looking for a role that kind of aligned with what I had studied. And I was so delighted to see this position at Stanford that aligned both personally and professionally with my interests. So I happily joined the Hamid and Christina Mogadam program in Iranian studies at Stanford in around 2015 after moving back to California. My current role is the associate director of the program. In this capacity, I manage the program's day-to-day work and strategic planning. I oversee our minor in Iranian studies and work with our affiliated faculty and visiting fellows on courses and research related to Iran. We have a busy event calendar, as I think you know, and I manage the program's finances, initiatives, and general outreach. Uh, and I'm grateful to work with a really wonderful team and have an amazing faculty director, um, Dr. Abbas Milani. That's amazing. Yeah, I recently saw one of the events you guys were holding was the um, one of the conferences that highlighted the importance of the transition to democracy in Iran. Um, for you personally, has you know being a Syrian Iranian American while also working at the Stanford. Um, program, has that influenced your perception of the importance of equality and how has that helped you um, underscore the significance of advocating for equality, not only as an Iranian cause, but a human one? Absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, you know, for, for your listeners who, who don't know, um, Assyrians are a very small ethnic and religious minority, primarily from Iran and Iraq, and we have a long history um, of being in the region. And as a minority, I really try to factor that perspective, the perspective of minorities into the work I do. Um, at Stanford, as I said, you know, I'm grateful to have the support of our faculty director, who has been a tireless advocate of supporting all voices, including minority voices, and in particular of women. Um, And I think today it's difficult to speak about modern Iran without a conversation about the long history of Iranians fight for equality, whether it's equality of gender, religion, ethnicity, and being an ethnic and religious minority and being a woman uh, makes the importance of equality very easy to understand for me. Um, But it's not just a, a human right, it's kind of a universal right, it's not just an Iranian issue. Um, and I think what could possibly be more relatable than the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, a, a few years ago, we actually had, uh, speaking of kind of the interdisciplinary nature of our program, we hosted a renowned Stanford biologist, Robert Sapolsky, um, for a discussion on the biology of humans at our best and worst, which was a fascinating talk. And it's on our YouTube channel. I encourage your listeners to, to take a watch. But he um, he mentioned, you know, no other animal comes close to our capacity for violently harming each other. And yet at the same time, no other animal comes close to our capacity for cooperation, altruism, and compassion. 
And I think we really need to focus on the latter half of that statement and build a more equal society for all. And part of our mission at Stanford Iranian Studies is to advocate for a better future for all Iranians. By studying and spotlighting Iran's rich culture, history, and language, as you said, we are able to share knowledge that we hope will help Iranians build that better future. Um, and I think there will be many, there will be a lot of support from the Iranian diaspora and really from anyone who cares about Iran to make that equal, better future possible. Right. I think, you know, what you mentioned about when you're highlighting a culture, you kind of have to highlight the whole thing. And right now in Iran, obviously, you probably know of the movement going on of women, life, freedom. But I think from the stance of being in America and especially maybe in high school or just in my community, it's kind of difficult to know how to help and how reshape how to reshape this narrative, especially because the media that I consume or that's available out there might not be as um, accurate or encompassing of what's actually going on. Um, so how does the, you know, obviously the Iranian program highlights activists, authors, um, icons like Iran Ardalan, but what does the Iranian program focus on and how do you all pick who to feature and what topics are timely? Yeah, that's a, a great question. You know, we, speaking of timeliness, we can't be reactionary to every change in the news because we're an academic program. We're not a media outlet. We're not even and a think tank. So we really try to take the long view to ensure that we're addressing timely matters as much as possible. For example, the conference you mentioned in March is actually part of a larger initiative. It's a series of events we're doing throughout the coming year that will cover many topics related to Iran's transition to a secular democracy, including the role of Iranian-American entrepreneurs, the role of women and ethnic and religious minorities. So um, in terms of, of topics, we, we want to make sure we're staying relevant to what is going on today, but also taking a step back and taking a longer view. And you know, as I mentioned, as an interdisciplinary program, we're able to bring in guests from such a wide variety of backgrounds and fields. You know, these could be academicians, journalists, artists, scientists, doctors, politicians, entrepreneurs, activists. And, and I think in today's world, this is really one of the best ways to understand any topic, to be able to see it from as many angles as possible. So that's something we really work hard to do. Is there a, a particular Iranian figure, maybe a woman who has influenced the work that you do at Stanford? You know, I think rather than, than one figure in particular, I, I'm in awe of women generally, but Iranian women in particular, I think you can't really look at what is happening in Iran today and the, the fight that women and girls in Iran um, are, are, are struggling through and really not be floored by their bravery. Um, I also think about the Iranian women who had to leave their home over the last 50 years at various points and all they've gone through to help their family adjust to life outside of Iran, but also help the next generation maybe stay connected to their roots and pass on that um, knowledge and love of Iran. And as you know, as one of the oldest civilizations in the world, that is very inspiring. As an Assyrian from Iran, we also have a very old uh, culture and history and, and part of Preserving that is um, is very inspiring in, in the work that we do, um, both kind of helping the people back at home, but also working to keep the culture alive and sharing it in diaspora is a big part uh, of the work that we do. And so it's just, there are so many incredible women, particularly in the Stanford Iranian Studies program that I've had the honor of working with, and, and they really continue to inspire me. Right. Obviously, like you mentioned, a big part about learning about a country is taking into account both the good and the bad, and it's not just a highlight reel or one perspective. How do you think people can both celebrate the progress of Iranian women and art, STEM or design, really see the beauty there, but also recognize what still needs to be done um, and the pitfalls that need attention? 
That's a great question. And I think you could apply that to women generally. Um, you know, when, when I personally have moments of frustration about where the fight for equality for women is going, even in the U.S. still today, I try to remind myself of how far we've come by looking at the challenges, you know, my grandmother and even my mother's generation have faced. And I'm, um, I'm given some hope by thinking we have actually come a long way when we put it in perspective. I think, you know, Iranian women inside and outside Iran have worked exceptionally hard and achieved many incredible successes. And our work is to highlight that and celebrate those accomplishments, but to also remember that the fight is not over. We must continue to actively seek and highlight the work of these women to support them and really to help level the playing field for, for Iranian women and for women everywhere. Right. I recently saw that you had... Um obviously your master's in international relations and then bachelor's in political science and international studies. How have those really helped you in your mission at the Iranian studies program and aided in your knowledge about the world in general? I really see that background, um, having an understanding of political science and international relations as providing a constructive lens to view the world through. And I think it's important, especially today, to not see situations in a vacuum. You know, the context matters, perspective matters, and they help us see the world more clearly. Uh, what happens in Iran can't easily be separated from the broader geopolitical situation in the Middle East, in East-West relations, in China-Iran relations, for example. So keeping up to date with world affairs and being able to put that perspective into play in my work um, is really important and I think very helpful. There are many levels of um, dynamics and strategics that you have to keep in mind when looking at international relations. Right, right. I recently attended um, Iran Arjalan's presentation on Iranian women and in the media. Where can people get accurate information about what's going on, um, what's surrounding the context of Iran, and how they can amplify women's voices? You know, we get this question often, how can we best help Iranians inside Iran? And there really is no one answer or no one right answer. The conference you mentioned in March discussed this at great length, and there were many good and diverging ideas about what those outside Iran can and should do to help. Um, some of the ideas that have been discussed are, um, you know, keeping the, the fight for freedom in the news, contacting a representative, find out if there are credible organizations you can donate to who are working on the ground. Um, but finding accurate information today on any topic is a challenge. And in the case of Iran, I think I would suggest, you know, following trusted or established academic programs, think tanks, news outlets, or individuals can be a really good place to start. But I think as, as Ms. Ardalan said herself, you know, there's work that needs to be done to preserve Iranian culture, for example, and new systems, new platforms like AI. And I think she was very happy to have uh, folks reach out to her and, and help with that project. But I would also encourage students to start their own projects or to choose to write about Iran Iranian women in school for projects or attend art shows and performances uh, by Iranian women and just support them really in any way you can. We continue on the work that we have done for the past 15 years, which is to support rigorous and interdisciplinary academic scholarship on modern Iran. Right. I think it starts with education. As long as you're going out to get as much information as you can, then from there you can form your opinion and see how you can help there. So that's great advice. Absolutely. And, and learning um, as a society in general how to vet good information right. and good sources of information is an important skill. Has there ever been an experience or idea that's influenced the reason why you decided to work with the Iranian Studies program? Uh, I mean, so many things, both personally and professionally, it aligns with, with my interests, my family, um, my educational background. And I 
Um, I'm really proud of the work that we've done over the past you know, dozen or more years. And I'm, I'm uh, saddened by this moment in, in Iran's history, but very hopeful for, the, for what comes next. And um, I think this inspires kind of my day-to-day -day work. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy and proud to be a part of, of the Stanford Iranian Studies Program. Well, the work you're doing there is really remarkable. You've reached people like me in Florida who I actually, um, I'm Iranian, but I don't really have anyone um, who's Iranian in America. So it's nice getting to see like information and opportunities where it's like, I can realize how, you know, how much the Iranian culture is still in America, even though a lot of my family's still in Iran. So that's really cool. Absolutely. That's wonderful to hear. Um, and as my final question, I like to ask it to everyone I interview. So how do you plan on changing the world now or even in the near future? That's a big question. Um, I think, as you know, there are big ways and small ways to change the world. And I think sometimes those small ways are forgotten or maybe lost a little bit amongst the desire for big changes. I now have a young daughter, so I think more um, than I used to about the future of women, the future of our world, and, and what kind of world she will inherit. And I'm still figuring it out, um, but I think I hope to leave uh, with her the importance of engagement, getting involved with your local community, getting to know your neighbors, being involved in local politics. I think these small changes over time will lead to profound changes. And, and to tie that back to Iran, Today, more than 60% of college graduates in Iran are women. And 40 years ago, after the revolution, it might not have seemed very consequential to let women go to college, but I think we can see it has contributed to their ongoing fight for freedom and equality. And I think you can't look at Iran and, and not think that their future is better and brighter because of these women and their ongoing bravery and struggle. Yeah, I think that's a good point that you brought up because I recently got to interview uh, Nazila Fati. She wrote, um, a book. She was like a previous um, Iranian correspondent with the New York Times, and she was explaining to me how now a majority of women um, in Iran are obviously more educated than they were when the revolution happened. And so this almost like this push for equality, it's going to happen. It's almost inevitable. So it's like women are educated enough to know what's going on and when. And it's really about educating other people so that they know how they can help and um, help further this cause. So. Absolutely. I, I would like to think the writing is on the wall and that better times are ahead. Yes. Thank you so much for doing this interview. It was really um, important and exciting for me. My pleasure. It was nice talking to you. That's it for today's episode. Remember to stay positive, stay inspired, and change the world. Bye, everyone.